Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Welcome back to the Ask Christopher West Podcast. We are happy to be with you guys as usual. Yes. And we promised in the last episode that we would continue. It was getting a little long-winded telling our story That's about right. our dating and getting engaged and married and such. But that had been a question. We said, next episode, we will continue. So It's a happy story It is a very us. happy We're story. We're happy to share it with our listeners. I know that we shared that phone call in which I kind of... Got all stressed. There was an awkward silence yes, on the phone. Yes, I sent a letter and all that. So you heard about that. And then we did start dating. We didn't live near one another. It was a f- like five-hour drive between mm-hmm. our two homes. So our dating was broken up by my work schedule. And, you know, every other weekend when I was off, we were spending time together. We were fortunate enough, would you believe, in that little chunk of time in 1995, Two of the greatest movies ever were in the theater, and we saw them together, which are Forrest Gump and and Braveheart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We saw Braveheart, both of us. It was the first time. We we had both seen Forrest Gump before, and we saw it together, but Braveheart, that was a very powerful experience. So movies, hiking was a big part of our dating. We really discovered that we both really enjoy going on hikes Mm -hmm. and being out in nature and great conversations. Um, we had awesome walks by waterfalls yeah. and conversations by waterfalls. And during that time when we were intensely dating, it was pretty, I mean, it was it was happening so rapidly. You, We met each other's families. We met too, each other's yeah. families, yep. And I remember my mom, she talked to you for maybe 10 minutes or so, and she pulled me in the other room and she said, what are you waiting for? She's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, there was a long history there that my mom, ever since I was a little boy, when she would tuck me in to put me to bed, she would pray, if I was called to marriage, she would pray for my future wife, wherever she was. And that was what was behind that, she's the one, this is the one we've been praying for. And then I'm jumping ahead in the story here, but just to connect some dots here that were very significant for us. When when I talked to your mom, your dad had died when you were a girl just so the listeners know why I wasn't talking to your dad. Uh, So I went to talk to your mom, and she grilled me. She grilled me for like three hours as to why I wanted to marry you. And at the end of the grilling, she said, now I know that I've been praying for you your whole life, because ever since Wendy was a girl, I've been praying for her future husband. Mm And now I know that that's you. And mm-hmm. I think we can, we can honestly say our, our mothers prayed us together. Mm-hmm. So parents out there, pray for your children's yeah. future spouses. It really does work. Yeah. I'll just link to our, our listeners' questions because many people do ask about how do we incorporate Theology of the Body in our parenting. And certainly our mothers, without even you know knowing Theology of the Body, but having that instinct about the importance of marriage and the, the importance of prayer and coming together in God's plan, prayed for us, and we pray the same for our children and also for mm-hmm. their discernment about their vocation. Right. Yeah. Are we going to share the two tons of bricks? Yes, let's get we to have the two to, tons of We had we said That's we were right. going to. That's right. What was that So all? I went on a pilgrimage to Rome during this mm-hmm. time, and and I, I before I went on this pilgrimage, Wendy and I had only been dating like for four weeks or something, mm-hmm. and we did have that first kiss that was pretty dang awesome. <laughs> 
that was really special. Yeah. It was the most tender, beautiful, delicate, just touching of the lips kind of kiss that you could imagine. It was, and I remember saying to you after that first kiss, I, I don't think it's going to take long to figure out where this is going. Mm-hmm. And you said, yes, I, I, I know. People ask me, you said, uh, people ask me, what, where do I think your relationship with? Do I think you're the one? Oh, yeah, do, that's right. Do, yeah. And I said, well, what do you tell them? <laughs> And I just smiled. Yes, I do. Yeah, so we, we had this sense we were meant to be married, but we didn't know what the time frame was going to be. I was in graduate school for another two years coming, and I kind of figured it would be a couple of years before we got married. We really believed we were meant to be married. So I went off to this on this pilgrimage to Rome. This was the first time I met St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. It was early May of 1995. I met him, and everywhere I was on this pilgrimage, I just had this sense the Lord was doing something, and I was having these powerful dreams, like, Wendy is the one, and there's no reason to wait. And I came home very nervous to tell you about this, that I, 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 what I was hearing in Rome, that I think you're, you're, you are the one, and there's no reason to wait. And I was nervous to tell you that because you had given me some very clear indications that it was, it was at least a couple years away that we would be married. And so I told you this, and you said, yes, you were feeling something very similar while I was gone. That mm-hmm. There was no reason to wait. And I said, okay, let's pray for two tons of bricks. Mm. So <laughs> that means I, I would say, Lord, you got to hit me with a ton of bricks so I know it's you. And then when I stand up, you got to hit me with another ton of bricks so I, I really know it's you. And what was the first ton of bricks? The first ton of bricks was Helen McNulty and yes. uh, St. Elizabeth's in... Wyckoff, New Jersey, who was just a a young mom that I had met at the parish there, who had met you, um, actually the same day I met her was when you came to New Jersey. Yeah, just a few weeks before. For kind of our first visit after we'd had our first date, and um, we met her at the parish, and just had a you know little quick conversation, but then four yeah, she, weeks later... She says, the first day we met her, she says, is Wendy your girlfriend? And I was like, um, is she my girlfriend? Um, well, I, I said, well, uh, well, we're kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. So this is just a few weeks after that conversation. Yes, we were at Mass, at, at a daily Mass, and she was there. And as we were leaving Mass, she came up to us in the parking lot, and she was crying, <laughs> and she said... <laughs> What did she say? She said, are you two engaged yet? Are you yet? engaged? That's right. Are you two engaged It's yet? time for you to get engaged. That's right. And, and she was just crying like the Holy Spirit had come upon her and she couldn't keep it to herself and was sort of touched by God's work. Yeah. So, it, yeah, that was, that was okay. There's, there's a ton of bricks right there. That yeah, seemed to be some was... strange out of the blue indication. And right from there, we were headed off to meet... Uh, someone who worked for the diocese there in New Jersey. Mm-hmm, to talk about his work with youth. With youth and chastity education mm-hmm. and marriage prep and all kinds of stuff he was doing that I wanted to get involved in and we mm-hmm. wanted to get involved in. And so we went to talk to him. We sat in his office. We yes. just met him for the first time. Yeah, but we had a great conversation. Great conversation about the work he did. And I was telling him about my hopes for ministry in the future. And, and after about an hour conversation, he leans back in his chair and he says, Are you too engaged yet? It's time to get engaged. And then he said, "Yeah, remember what? And God can speak through other and people. And God can speak through other people. <laughs> and we looked at each other. We're like, okay, there's the second ton of bricks. We left that meeting and I said, uh, Wendy, I think I need to know your, um, your ring size. I know, my legs were just trembling. Yeah. It was just a feeling of like, wow, God, did you really say that to us through two different strangers in the same in day? In the same day when we had yeah. asked for two tons of bricks. Yeah. So that has... That has 
stayed with us, those Mm -hmm. confirmations, Mm because there have been tough times like any married couple goes through. And we've been able to lean back on those experiences and say, no, the Lord knew it. We we didn't make this up. Mm -hmm. God really wanted this to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes maybe we've been questioning, why did you want this to happen, Lord? (laughs) But through it all, we have known this has been His plan and, and we have embraced it. So there's the con- that's the sh- conclusion of the short version of the dating and courtship of Christopher and Wendy West. Yes, and I guess Emily Bong, I hope you heard the end of that story today. Yeah. Okay. Let let's me, jump in. Let's go with a question from a listener named Twyla. Twyla. Twyla says, I had an eating disorder growing up, and now I weigh about 330 pounds, down from nearly 400, and still losing slowly through a healthy lifestyle. I feel like I ruined the body I was given. Mm. And no matter how many years I work at it, it's too late. So when you say you don't have a body, you are a body, it does not sound like a gift. Mm. What can I do to see it differently? Mm. Twyla, bless you, my dear sister. Bless you in all you have suffered. Bless you in those the deep mysterious roots in your heart of that eating disorder bless you in all that you have suffered in your your weight the ridicule of others the stares of others that causes often a, a deep questioning of what is the value and dignity of dignity of my body as you said uh, there is this integral teaching of John Paul II that we don't merely have a body but we are a body What does this mean for you in some of your struggles? Twyla, number one, we all have struggles with our bodies. And perhaps the struggle that you have had is, well, certainly unique to you because you are your own person. Other people certainly have weight issues, but your struggle is your struggle. And the suffering that you know in the body is a suffering that Christ has known in his body with you and for you. This is something so important about following Christ. Christ says, follow me. Where did he go? We talk about the glory of the Christian life. We talk about the promise of heaven. We talk about the forgiveness of our sins. We talk about healing. We talk about restoration. But How did that all happen? It all happened through a gruesome bodily torture of our Savior, in which this man, this God-man, totally God, totally human, both at the same time, he bore in his body our sufferings, our sorrows, the rejection we've suffered, the ridicule we've suffered, every wound, every hurt that we have felt, he has felt in his body. Twyla, I would invite you, I would encourage you to ask the Lord to show him where in his body he has borne your pain. Where in his body, what, you know, just to be maybe more specific, maybe it's a scourge mark. Maybe it's it's a wound from the crown of thorns. Maybe it's one of the nail marks. Maybe it's that open side uh, of Christ pierced by the lance. Where did Christ feel in his body 
the suffering that you feel about your body. This is the promise. As we unite our sufferings with Christ in his broken, wounded body, we have the hope that we will pass over with him into our glorified bodies. This is the promise. This is the pledge that the parts of our body that in this broken world, in this fallen world, maybe we were most ashamed of, the aspects of our body that we are most ashamed of, on the other side, these aspects of our body will shine with the greatest glory. This is a remarkable truth in the gospel that on the resurrected side of things, Jesus still has his wounds, but his wounds now shine with glory. This breathes great hope into my lungs. Issues I have with my own body, things I'm ashamed of about my own body, or things I've been made fun of for my own body. This is strange, weird, but, uh, you know, sometimes my colleagues joke with me, is it T-O-B, Christopher, or is it T-M-I? And uh, <laughs> sometimes I maybe border on the T-M-I, but I share these things just to, to get to the real humanity to get to the real stuff that we really struggle with and wrestle with. So here's maybe little TMI, but I have really skinny, really white calves. Uh, <laughs> my, my legs and my shins and my calves, my lower legs are skinny and really white. And for some reason, they've gone bald. <laughs> I don't have hair down there on my legs. And my... my <laughs> My older brother has commented more than once how much my legs remind him of our grandfather who had very, very white, skinny chicken legs. <laughs> and every to here I am, I'm sitting in shorts right now, I'm looking at my white, skinny legs, and I feel this pang of like shame oh, no. and silly embarrassment about how white and skinny my legs are. Um, Can I say something? Yep, well, please, please Thank do, you. yeah. Because, first of all, I love your legs. Thank you. Love your whole person. Thank you. I feel, I feel like I just said too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to share something about that, because I watched on someone's recommendation, we watched together, a documentary called Embrace. Yes, That I was made that. by a, an Australian woman, I've forgotten her name. But one of the things that was extremely eye-opening to her, her documentary is about our attitudes toward our bodies and healthy and unhealthy attitudes. But the eye-opening experience for her was that she had been frustrated with her body and went through some personal training and eventually became a female bodybuilder. And when she was, you know... Fit and meeting the standard that society holds out to us, yeah. Winning. Yep. In these competitions, she was surrounded by other champion female bodybuilders who were all unhappy with their bodies. And here they were. All their time and energy was put into healthy perfection of the body, and yet they compared themselves to one another and wished they were different in this way or that. And it was a real wake-up for her to say, if we are all unhappy with our bodies, then... What is the problem? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is what are we looking for in terms of our physical bodies? So I just share that because okay, skinny, bald calves, you know, fine. I mean, 
bodybuilders who look amazing to the rest of us who feel shame and when we look at them have this same issue going on. So I share that with Twyla too because I think, you know, you could think that somehow nobody could understand what you're going through and yet I think that's probably a lie. Yeah. In a certain sense that you're experiencing our fallenness in the body and that temptation to reject the gift of the body and kind of being blinded to the gift of your own body that nothing you have ever done is outside your body the gift of your body the love and the joy that you bring to other people in your life is expressed in and through your body your body and you may be not having the eyes to see that and to rejoice in that maybe there are voices in your life telling you that you would be lovable if you were different and i think it's a beautiful thing what you shared about just gradually losing weight through a healthy lifestyle there's something you know a grace in that but also in that journey the Lord wants to speak to your heart about the gift of your body that, as you said right now, it doesn't seem like a gift. I think you really are needing to hear that from yes. the Lord. What, what a gift he's given you, what a gift you are to others. I'd encourage you also, Twyla, to spend some time with Romans chapter 8, where St. Paul holds out the hope that saves us. And he says, the hope that saves us is the hope of the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> Someday my white skinny legs are going to shine with glory. On the other side, we hold out this hope of the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection of our bodies, where we will shine in our full glory. And those things we are most ashamed of will shine with the most glory, just like Christ, his very wounds are now shining with glory. Our wounds too, this is our hope, will shine with glory. Bless you, Twyla. I hope we gave you some food for thought. You are loved as you are. And in the name of Jesus, we rebuke that lie that says you are not lovable because of some problem you have with your body. Mm -hmm. You are lovable, Twyla. Our next question is from Michael. Michael says, I'm a new therapist. And I was wondering how a therapist can integrate TOB in a counseling setting. Michael, great question. I want to say something that will be an invitation to you, an invitation to take up and study this theology of the body. What John Paul II has given us in his own words is an adequate anthropology. And by that, he means a complete, a total vision of what the human being is. Adequate. If you look at the word, it just means equal to. He gives us a vision of the human being that is equal to what a human being really is. Counseling can only really reach the human being and help the human being in as much as it flows from an adequate anthropology. There are a lot of counselors out there who have a very woefully inadequate Mm. anthropology, and that leads them to give woefully inadequate counsel in their practices. An adequate anthropology understands that a human being was created fundamentally good. We are tragically fallen with lots of wounds and hurts but that the real healing we need, uh, this is not in opposition to what healing we need through good counseling and psychology, et cetera, et cetera, but all truth is God's. Whatever truth comes through good counseling or psychology is ultimately making use of 
the real healing that comes through Jesus Christ, whether we can acknowledge that or recognize that or not. So anyway, bottom line is, what can Theology of the Body do for you as a counselor? It can give you an adequate anthropology, and it can fill in the gaps that are certainly present in most counselors' education, because most counselors aren't getting educated in an adequate anthropology. So that's my short answer to that, Michael. The next question is from John. John asks, and actually I'm realizing this question is somewhat related to Twyla's earlier question, and yet in a different situation. John asks, how does theology of the body deal with permanent physical conditions? I have a brother-in-law who has dwarfism and struggles to understand God and his plan with his condition. One of my favorite students who's ever come through our courses at the Theology of the Body Institute has dwarfism. And just getting to know her over several years and several courses that she's taken, I look at her as such a sign of hope. She, as anyone could imagine, someone who has dwarfism has struggled with all kinds of insecurities and the stares of others, rejection of others, the mockery of others. It is very much, as you said, Wendy, related to Twyla's question. And I want to zoom in on this word permanent physical condition. I know you're using that word permanent in the sense of this life. But when we have the perspective of the redemption of our bodies, when we have the perspective of the resurrection of our bodies, Scripture proclaims the lame will leap, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak and cry out. We can also say any infirmity that we have had, anything we have suffered, a birth defect, dwarfism, or you know, fill in the blank. There's so many things we could speak of that are are not part of God's original, beautiful, wonderful creation, but are a result of the fallen world in which we live. We can say this. Remember the story of the man born blind. And in the scripture, they say, whose fault is this? Is it his sin that caused this? Was it his parents' sin that caused this? Jesus's response is remarkable. He says, this was allowed to reveal a greater glory. This was allowed to reveal the glory of God. The glory of God will be revealed in our infirmities, in the resurrection of our bodies, in ways that we cannot foresee now. But this is our living hope. And in the end, guess what? We all have an infirmity in our body called death. We are all aging and we are all headed towards death. And this was not part of God's original plan either. But we can age peacefully. We can bear any infirmity or injury peacefully only in as much as we have hope that God can and will and is about the business of bringing about a greater glory that will be revealed when the resurrection of our bodies is revealed. This is our hope. This is the living hope of being a Christian. This is the good news we have to share with the world, not just some spiritual afterlife, but the resurrection of our bodies, the restoration of our original integrity, body and soul, and the fulfillment of the original, beautiful, wonderful, good plan of God. And here's something also. I said this earlier, but in the resurrection, Christ's wounds are not erased. 
They shine with a greater glory than ever would have been possible if his body hadn't been wounded. So somehow the infirmities that we have borne, they won't be erased, but they will enable us to shine with greater glory. They won't be infirmities. They'll shine. They'll shine with glory. Hmm. This is our hope. Wow. Kind of gets me excited for heaven. Amen. It should get us excited. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't get us excited, what, what will? Yeah. Lord, give us hope. Give us that hope that really changes our lives. Hope in the resurrection of our bodies. Hope that all will be redeemed. Hope that all will be restored. This is the hope that saves us. Every tear will be wiped from the eye. Every infirmity will be healed and righted. Every wound will have your oil poured upon it. And we will all know one another and see one another as we really are. Can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. John, I can't wait to see you shining in glory. I can't wait to see your relative who you were speaking of with dwarfism shining in glory. I cannot wait to see every human being who responds to this wedding invitation. Let's say yes so that we all shine in glory. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. And thank you especially to our patrons out there. We ask you to consider supporting this mission and reviving that age-old, very noble practice of being a patron of the missions. The Theology of the Body Institute has a calling to share this beautiful, liberating vision of human life with every man and woman around the world. We so desperately need this message. Would you consider being a patron to support this work to help us get this message out? You can click in the show notes about learning what it means to be a patron and how you can get exclusive formation and treats and goodies that we give to our patrons, uh, ongoing online courses, access to our exclusive online community. There's lots of little nuggets and goodies we have for those who support this work. So check that out in the show notes. And if you have a question you would like us to address, please submit it at askchristopherwest.com. You are a gift. Become what what you are. God bless you guys. Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. And if you have a question you would like us to address, Please submit it at AskChristopherWest.com. I almost changed my last name to Wes. (laughs) Forgot the T.